Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us. On Wednesday, November 16th, 2022, my name is J.J. Jackson, and I proudly serve as the host of Lockdown Blue Devils. On today's show, we'll discuss the first primetime Duke basketball game under head coach John Shire in the Champions Classic last night. The Blue Devils unfortunately fell five points short, losing to Kansas by a score of 69-64. to We're going to break it all down today with my good pal Kevin Connolly of Ball Durham, It's going to be a really fun show that you want to be able to engage with us here. If you haven't done so, we want to let you know that our show today is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Our show is also available to be watched each and every day on YouTube. Subscribe there as well. We're climbing towards 1,000 subscribers, a big milestone goal that we've got for Lockdown Blue Devils. Thank you for your support in helping us accomplish that. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Without further ado, I bring on my good pal, Kevin Connolly, the site expert for Ball Durham. And Kevin, as mentioned, we finally saw the first primetime Duke basketball game of the year. The Champions Classic played at Indianapolis, Duke and Kansas, and uh, unfortunately Duke came up just a bit short. Hope you're doing well, man, and glad we've got some big basketball games to talk about here. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Um, it it kind of felt like opening day yesterday just because, I mean, it doesn't really move the needle with Jacksonville and USC upstate. But last night kind of kind of felt like college basketball and Duke basketball is, is officially back. Yeah. Big, big time game for the blue devils. Uh, obviously they were playing against Kansas in the champions classic. We've got Kentucky and Michigan state there. Duke had a big win against Kentucky last season in the champions classic going into the event. Duke's got the best record out of those four schools in champions classic games out of all four of them. However, Duke was one and two against Kansas, and now they fall to one and three against the Jayhawks. The game started much later than anticipated because we saw an absolutely epic double overtime basketball game played between Kentucky and Michigan State. I'm not going to say that played a factor at all in Duke's performance against Kansas because, quite frankly, it didn't whatsoever. It's just a little different when you are the team that's kind of waiting out back for this amazing game to finish in front of you so that you could start your warm-ups and amp up to game time. Yeah, I don't think that played a factor at all, um, but it, it is. You're, you're, you're waiting, and it looks like the game's going to end in regulation, and then Michigan State makes a shot to tie it, and then it looks like it's going to end in the first overtime, and Michigan State makes another shot to tie it. And then you're like, oh, my God, now you're going, what, upwards an extra 30 minutes, just waiting around, waiting to get on the court. So, um, I mean, kind of the same thing of the NCAA tournament or even the ACC tournament where you don't control what happens in front of you when teams are on the court. So, um, yeah, I don't think that played a factor at all, but uh, it was certainly fun to watch. And Michigan State, I don't, I don't want to get too carried away here, but, man, how impressive have they looked? I mean, playing on the on the uh, the aircraft carrier uh, against Gonzaga, taking them to the wire, then beating Kentucky. And, 
I mean, their schedule is brutal. I think they saw that they still have to play like Villanova and Alabama yeah. in, their, in their next two games. But I'll tell you, Michigan State unranked. They look really good this year, and uh, wouldn't be surprised if Duke sees them uh, in March. A really good basketball team in Michigan State, a good team in Kentucky as well. They'll recover from this. Uh, Oscar Sheboy continues to be so dominant, one of the best players in all of college basketball. All right, enough of those guys. So uh, we talk Duke and Kansas in this one. First time under the lights for so many of these Duke stars. Jeremy Roach, of course, is back for his junior season. He has played in major, major basketball games. And for the first half for Duke, a bit of a sloppy start for the Blue Devils. Offensively, not much offense whatsoever for Duke in this game against Kansas. Yeah, and I said it, and I don't always want to keep harping back on that secret scrimmage against Houston, but you saw how poor their offensive numbers were, and now you kind of see why uh, going up against a veteran Kansas team who's got a good defense, uh, and you saw it maybe why that team couldn't score in that Houston game in that first half. And, uh, I mean, they got off to a good start. And when I say good start, I mean, like, in the first two minutes, I think they jumped out to a 6 nothing lead, and then, like, the bottom fell out. I think Kansas ended up using a 12-0 run to take like a 19-8 lead in the first nine minutes. And you were looking and you're like, all right, this this could get out of hand quickly. And, and Shire wasn't calling a timeout. He was, I said during the game, he was kind of pulling a, a play out of Kay's playbook. Let let them out, let leave them out there to die. Like that's <laughs> what he was kind of doing. But um, during those timeouts, you saw the adjustments being made. You saw um, a little bit more movement offensively and I'll tell you what, to be down four at halftime was a major win for Duke because they easily could have been down 15, 20 points. Yeah, it kind of shifted in those final few moments of the first half. Uh, Duke was always getting stops defensively in that first mm -hmm. half. They started to take better shots, uh, were rebounding so well. Duke was really dominant on the offensive boards. And Kevin, anytime you struggle shooting like Duke did in a game like this, when the shooting percentages weren't great, we'll be able to post some numbers here in just a moment for folks watching us on YouTube to get a true look at those Duke stats from last night's game. But anytime you're grabbing offensive rebounds, you're creating more opportunities for you to ultimately score, creating more possessions. Yeah, absolutely. And that was one of my biggest keys coming into the game. I mean, Duke was just so much physically bigger than Kansas. I mean, I don't think Kansas had a starter um, above six foot eight, and Duke could throw two seven footers out there, which they did uh, for like about 20 minutes yesterday. So well, one of my biggest keys was that Duke had to limit Kansas to one shot down the floor each time, and they had to control the glass and get those second-chance uh, opportunities on the offensive boards. And that's what they did, and that's what kind of kept them in the game, and that's eventually what um, their size advantage and their their dominant in the paint led them in the second half to taking uh, a six-point lead on multiple occasions. So we'll take a look at those Duke stats. We'll take a look at some individual performances that really stood out for us in the Duke and Kansas game last night. Duke falls. 69-64. The Blue Devils now have a 2-1 and one overall record on the season, and they will play Delaware on Friday night back inside Cameron Indoor. For Kevin Connolly, I'm J.J. Jackson. We continue our conversation in a moment right here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our very good friends over at LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Add your job with the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one 
and delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. That's LinkedIn job or LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. We're continuing to move forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. My name is JJ Jackson, and I'm joined today by my good buddy Kevin Connolly of Ball Durham to talk about the game yesterday for Duke when they were taking on Kansas. Duke loses by a score of 69 to 64 for the first loss of the year. Uh, we mentioned some of these individual performances. Who stands out to you, Kevin? Well, positively, I think you have to look at Kyle Filipowski. I mean, three straight double-doubles, first Duke player ever to start a season with three straight double-doubles, and he kind of led the charge in that second half. And it's a game where you can take a lot of positives out of it and a lot of negatives. I mean, if, if you look at beyond the box score and beyond the, the points totals, I mean, obviously the 18 turnovers are unacceptable, and the three of 21 shooting from three is unacceptable. But you look in that second half, uh, I mean, Tyrese Proctor finally showed up. Um, he had all nine of his points in the second half. Mark Mitchell, aside from a late turnover, he showed up in the second half with seven points. Um, so it was kind of – it depends what kind of uh, perspective you have on Duke. Are you a half-glass full or a half-glass empty kind of person? And that's, I think, what we're seeing a lot in this game. And also, I mean, obviously you have to point out the fact they didn't have what I think is their best player in Derek Whitehead. Yeah, no, in life I always want to do things with a – half glass full approach and want to try and find as many positives as possible. So to see Filipowski uh, be as productive, as aggressive as he was offensively, the most shots taken by anyone of Duke, 18 shot attempts for Filipowski. Again, not very efficient, 6 of 18 from the floor, including 1 of 6 from three-point range, but 17 total points, 14 rebounds, 6 of those on the offensive end of the floor creating those second chances, somebody's got to do that. And it was really good seeing Filipowski do that. Yeah, it was. And I think he's been the biggest surprise so far this season. I mean, he's been dominant in each of the first three games. And what you were hearing the rumblings coming out of the preseason was that, like, he was a step behind a lot of the freshmen. You, you thought, all right, maybe he's going to come off the bench. Could be two, three, four-year guy. Um, and I'm not saying his first three games are necessarily elevating him as a one and done. I don't think that's the case by any stretch of the imagination. But I mean, you, you, it, it seems very clear that he's been Duke's best player over this first week and a half of the season. No, he's been awesome. It's been fun to watch. And you mentioned the uh, tidbit there for Filipowski, the first Duke freshman to have three straight double doubles ever to start a career. Marvin Bagley had two of them in a row, but it's uh, Kyle Filipowski with three in a row, and we'll see if he can make it four on Friday against Delaware. Jeremy Roach, aggressive offensively as well, six of 17 from the floor for 16 points, one of five from three-point range for Roach. That was the big question, is uh, what is his offensive game going to look like this year compared to last? I remember having a conversation on this show with my good pal Jason Evans of the Duke Basketball Report, hoping that Jeremy Roach would distribute the ball at a high level this season and not hunt for his shot as much. And it did feel like at times uh, Jeremy Roach was looking more for his shot just to try and get something going for Duke offensively because nobody really else had it. Yeah, I, I got that because they didn't have anything going offensively, but I wasn't the biggest fan of the game Roach played last night, um, especially late. Obviously his one three-pointer was big. That put Duke back up by one. But um, you look at the three turnovers, the one coming in the final – um, 90 seconds on a clear offensive foul, um, only one assist, 
six of 17, obviously the big missed front end of the one and one. And I thought the shot selection from him specifically at points and also just from the team was very poor. Um, so again, the 16 points are good, the four rebounds, um, but I wasn't the biggest fan of how Roach played last night. Talk to me about all the charges that Duke had offensively. That was a, uh, a, a crazy, it was insane to watch Kansas. Um, some of them, you know, iffy 50, 50 calls, uh, blocking and charging is the hardest decision for any mm-hmm. official to make in the game of basketball. Some of them were very clear, like, yeah, Duke, you were a little too uh, over-aggressive there. But, boy, we saw a lot of those whistles last night. Yeah, we saw a lot of them, and it felt like, especially in that first half, it was like three, four possessions in a row where Duke was getting an offensive foul called on them for a charge. And, again, a lot of them were iffy. Um, again, it's, it is the hardest call in college basketball, but these officials need to be a little better. I didn't think the officials had a great night last night, but it certainly wasn't re- the reason why Duke lost. But the one offensive foul that I highlighted from Roach, I mean, that was clear as day, an offensive foul. He tried to get into the lane um, with under 90 seconds to go to get Duke a bucket. I mean, he was going full steam. That was an easy call. Um, but you And I, I think a, a lot of them were on the freshmen, um, and I think it was – Duke looked like a freshman team last night. And I think that's one thing people have to notice that um, that as of right now, without Derek Whitehead, they don't have a Zion Williamson or an RJ Barrett or Paulo Banquero or Marvin Bagley to um, mask the inexperience of the other freshmen. They don't have that one dominant guy who's a freshman who is just more physically and imposing and just better than his opponents where you could just give him the ball and say, go to work. Like you saw with Paolo Bancaro um, in the Kentucky game in the champions classic last year, or you saw with RJ and Zion, the champions classic, their freshman year, they don't have that freshman right now with Derek Whitehead out. And I think that's what you saw a lot of last night that this inexperienced Duke team, um, they, they looked like freshmen. And uh, to be honest, their head coach kind of looked like a freshman last night too, in those final few minutes. Although I thought his halftime adjustments were, Perfect. Yeah. No, it's, it was, uh, you know, eventful and, and wild to see John Shire on the bench for a big game like this, just because when you've got Coach K doing it for 42 years, you're very much so used to his demeanor and how he operates on a big stage like this. And Coach K just wasn't there. It was John Shire's show to make it happen last night. And especially in this game, because like we've seen Shire fill in for K as a head coach um, in ACC games, whether he had not been feeling well or, right. or wasn't able to make the trip. Um, and I, I guess it was always like, okay, yeah, like he's just out, he, he's sick, whatever. He, but like, even in he'll the, be back, yeah. yeah <laughs> e- even in like the Jacksonville and USC Upstate games, it like like I said, how last night felt like a opening day, like those almost felt like scrimmages. And you're like, yeah, cool, like Shire's the head coach. But like seeing Shire on the sidelines as the head coach for a game against Kansas, it honestly felt like, all right, this is real now. Like he's not coming back. He's actually retired and Shire is the head coach. So um, I think that the waters were rocky, obviously in that first half. Like I said, I thought his halftime adjustments were outstanding. And just like we said, these players are going to learn from those final four minutes. I think Shire is going to learn for those final four minutes too, because he also looked like a rookie head coach in, in that time frame. We're going to continue to talk about Duke basketball here with their loss to Kansas, uh, 69-64, the final score of the game last night. And we'll look ahead to Friday's game against Delaware and upcoming games for Duke basketball. But we've got to take our final time out here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. 
Locked On Blue Devils here today is brought to you by our very good friends over at Bet Online. We talk about them often because they're so amazing and we absolutely love them. Bet Online is your number one source for sports betting information, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at Bet Online. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at Bet Online as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online, where the game starts. Winding down today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Kevin Connolly uh, from Ball Durham. Kevin, tell us a little bit about BallDurham.com. What all do you guys have going on over there? Ball Durham, we got it all. Football, basketball, pros, recruiting, anything you want, we got it. Uh, balldurham.com. Follow us on Twitter, ball underscore ball underscore Durham. Um, obviously, we're all over last night's game against Kansas. Also, last night, perhaps maybe not getting as much publicity. Duke wrapped up its uh, recruiting class in 2023. Mackenzie Mbako signing his uh, NLI. I was actually there for that at Roselle Catholic. Got to talk to him for a little bit. So um, you're going to want to check that out. He was also signing with his teammate Simeon Wiltshire, who's going to North Carolina. So. Um, tomorrow we're going to have a pretty cool uh, feature on the two of them and what the Duke-Carolina rivalry is going to look like next year. But, um, yeah, we got everything over there. Uh, give us a read. Give us a follow. And uh, I, I don't think you'll be disappointed. Yeah, I certainly would encourage it. It's great content, and I can't wait to see more features coming your way. Uh, again, check out balldurham.com. Okay, 69-64, the final score, <clears throat> as Kansas knocks off Duke. And, and, Kevin, when you look at that upstate game for Duke last Friday night, they only give up 38 points in a 40-minute basketball game. Remarkable defensive effort. Duke was really solid defensively for Kansas as well. The one big difference in this one, against South Carolina Upstate, Duke was able to play 14 basketball players. Against Kansas, you saw once again the bench shrunk and only eight players got out on the floor for Duke last night. Yeah, and that's what you're going to see going forward in these bigger games um, obviously, against a team like USC Upstate, you you have the uh, availability to put out more guys because you're going to beat them by 40, 50 some odd points. And and the defense, I thought, was fine. I thought they created a lot of deflections. I thought they, at times, outside of the final four minutes and opening nine minutes, made Kansas very uncomfortable. They weren't sure of themselves. Um, but it, it just comes down to they just didn't have enough scoring. But in terms of your question about the rotation, um, I was surprised Grandison, I don't think he played in the second half. Not um, I, was, I, I was surprised Blake's played as much as he did. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see um, where the minutes go for Derek Whitehead when he gets back. And I don't want to uh, jump here, but I think uh, a definite conversation going forward is going to have to be the starting lineup. Yeah, um, 40 minutes uh, also for Jeremy Roach. So he played the entire game. He was always out there on the floor. Uh, and we'll see if Duke continues to uh, to keep him out there. I did want to share as well for folks that uh, didn't catch this last night watching the Duke basketball game, really positive news. Derek Whitehead was not in street gear like yeah. he had been. He wasn't wearing uh, you know, pants and a, a Duke polo. He was in full uniform. Of course, he just did not play, still kind of waking his way back from injury, but going through contact, uh, which is really positive. We'll see when Whitehead is set to make his debut for the Duke Blue Devils. But, yeah, the depth and the starters, everything is going to be interesting as Whitehead comes back. Yeah, it doesn't seem like he's going to play on Friday against Delaware, maybe Monday against um, Bellarmine before 
Uh, they head out to Oregon for the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. But in terms of that starting lineup, and if Derek Lively can play 20 minutes, which obviously he did last night, you would think that number would increase going forward into Friday and Monday and then um, the Thanksgiving weekend. I think he's got to be in the starting lineup. He's got to play uh, those 20 minutes as a starter um, to replace Ryan Young because Ryan Young at the five last night just did not work. Um, you saw him four turnovers. He he looked just kind of a step slow. Kansas would bring doubles on him, and he'd get flustered like the four turnovers. Uh, I, I was surprised Shire never went to uh, Filipowski or Mark Mitchell at the five just because Kansas didn't have like that seven-footer or whatnot that could um, physically impose their will had Filipowski or Mitchell been there. And Filipowski is a seven-footer himself. So um, I, I have a feeling that Friday night you're going to see a change in the starting lineup or at least I hope you will, um, with Lively starting at the five and Ryan Young coming off the bench. And then when Derek Whitehead eventually does get back out on the floor, I think for the first couple of games, he's going to come off the bench because they're going to limit his minutes. Absolutely. So I don't, th- I don't think you, you'll see another change in the starting five until um, if he comes back Monday, which is an if, I'm just speculating there. I don't think you would see another change in the starting lineup until um, after the Thanksgiving uh, tournament and maybe that last week in November, first week of December. And then it's a big decision. Who's going to come off the bench if Whitehead starts? Um, that's You can have a long debate about that one. But I do think uh, Lively should start Friday and Young should come off the bench. Talk to me about this. I mean, turnovers were obviously a big thing for Duke. Have got yeah. to find a way to cut down on those uh, 16 turnovers against Kansas for the Blue Devils. But we mentioned the lack of ball movement. Only eight assists for Duke on 24 made shots. Do you attribute that to more of uh, the poor shooting, right? Like three of 21, or did it really feel like Duke was putting themselves in bailout isolation situations to where they weren't necessarily sharing the basketball as well as they could have? Well, I think it's a little bit of both. Obviously, if you were to shoot better than 35%, you would have more assists. Uh, I think that's it's natural, but you got to give Kansas credit. I mean, um, they do have some youngsters on their team, but they're fairly a veteran group. You have some players who just won a national championship, and they'll get after you defensively. Um, and that's what we saw last night. And, and without Derek Whitehead, Duke really doesn't have that standout isolation score. It all depends on ball movement. And again, it goes back to the youth. Uh, this is their all first big game. This is their first game against um, real competition. And you saw that youth where um, when the shot clock would get a little bit late, uh, they would go into this isolation set and hoist up what's a really bad shot. So I think it's a learning experience. You, you need to see the ball moving. You need to get that de- the defense moving laterally and try and sneak someone on that back door. Um, one thing I would have liked to see a little bit more, I know it's not completely his game, um, is, is a low post uh, setup for Lively. Really didn't see Lively post up on the low block a lot last night. Uh, I, I'd like to see uh, do get that going forward uh, more often in half-court sets. Kevin Connolly joining us here on Lockdown Blue Devils. A couple of more games for Duke at home at Cameron Indoor before they get set to play in a Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. I think that good things are coming for this Duke basketball team still early in the year. Yes, the loss hurts. You never want to lose a basketball game in those primetime settings. I uh, would not expect Duke to only have one loss on the season. I do think more are probably coming the Blue Devils' way. But uh, nonetheless, we've got a couple of wins likely coming the Blue Devils' direction to kind of figure more and more things out, get Dariq Whitehead back into better health. And, uh, Kevin, I think good things are ahead for the Stukeman's basketball squad. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, there's a lot to like about what you saw last night. Um, it's almost like you hear in in football, whether it be at college level or the NFL, a team has to learn how to win. When you have a really young team they and they're trying to break through, they have to learn how to win. I think that's what you saw last night from Duke, and I do think this team is going to learn from that. I mean, the next real test you're going to see is uh, that Thanksgiving weekend in the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. But again, there was really a lot to like from this Duke team last night, despite the loss. And again, like you said, you never want to lose. You're never happy with the loss. Um, this is Duke. There's no moral victories at Duke. But I, I do think uh, while the loss probably stings because the game was easily there to be won for Duke, they just couldn't expand that lead over six. Um, th- there's a lot to like. This team is talented. They just have to come together a little bit more. And I think once the new year starts rolling around and we get into ACC play with Derek Whitehead fully incorporated back in the lineup, that's when you're going to see this team at its best. And that's when they'll make their run deep into the ACC. Kevin, thank you for the time as always. We'll have to do this again sometime soon, okay? JJ, always appreciate coming on with you, man. That's my good pal Kevin Connolly from Ball Durham joining us here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Once again, if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Lockdown Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts. Also, watch our show daily on YouTube. Subscribe there as well. That's going to do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you tomorrow. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, and good day.